Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me Radio. We are premiering our first segment that we're going to be doing once a month called the Nerdy Deep Dive. It is Saturday, February 1st, 2020, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. My name is Megan, and I have two really, really amazing guests uh, to help me talk about something that I got into um, during my credentialing program, which was Skins UK television series. We're going to talk about why it's important, who we were in the fandom, um, and all parts Skins UK. So let me bring them on. So first, let me introduce Edie. Are you there? What's up, Edie? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, I'm Edie. Cool. <laughs> she, is, she is currently in a closet in France. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like that was an important fact for everyone to know. Um, and we have Rachel as well. What's up, Rachel? Hi. I'm currently in a room in um, Manchester. So. And I am in a bedroom in Monterey, California. Somehow, mine <laughs> seems less exotic. Anyway, um, so a lot of things. So when I first said that I want to do my first, nerdy deep dive the premise of this story of this whole show is that once a month we're going to dive into a topic and just really focus in on it so it could be just focusing on a tv show it could be focusing on just a character like just focusing on luna lovegood for 60 minutes um, or the history of the wallet like whatever it is that we find fascinating that's what we're going to focus on and do the show on and when I first designed the show, the first thing that came to my mind was, I think I need to do an episode of Skins UK. And the reason why I wanted to do the episode of Skins UK is because everyone knows about my Harry Potter fandom days, but no one knows about my Skins UK fandom days. And arguably, I got a little bit more famous in the Skins UK fandom than I ever did the Harry Potter fandom. So... <laughs> um, I thought it would just be really, really good. And then I, the first thing I thought of after that is these two lovely ladies who um, were a big part of the story of talking about this TV show on Tumblr and making tons of GIFs or GIFs and images and debating things and making very elementary podcasts. Um, so this is why they are here. Um, so I think that's where we should begin because there are some people who are listening to this because they like Skins UK. And there's definitely some people who are watching this going, listening to this saying, I have no idea what Skins is. Rachel, I'm going to throw the first question to you. Cool. If you could describe the television show Skins UK, how would you, what would you say to that person? What is Skins UK? Um, 
I would say it's a very it's a very British look, um, a very British look at being a teenager, and it's um, uh, kind of about escaping the reality of being a human, I guess, as well. Um, there's a lot of drugs, alcohol, sex, so obviously if those aren't your cup of tea, then you would avoid the show, I think, is probably how I would describe it. Um, Edie, do you want to add to that, or do you agree? Um, yeah, I agree, and I would say, like, from my perspective as a past American teen, it was a really interesting look into a different culture, because Skins UK represents, like, these teenage years that really are somewhat unattainable in America just because of cultural differences. And so it was really a cool escape for me personally when I was in high school, feeling like this shy, like, anxiety-induced teenager. Um, But, yeah, mainly I agree with what Rachel said, too. Yeah, and I would also just to talk about this British versus American, because I always say this, like, oh, it's a British television, so it's very British. And people are like, what does that even mean? It's hard to describe. (laughs) But it is definitely a warning because I think a lot of Americans don't understand British humor, humor in general. Um, and so that's why I always use it as a, as a warning label for some. But I really think that when it comes to teenage shows, America does a glorifying take on it. Like it's either like a, like a gossip girl, like it's about rich people doing really mean things to each other. Um, or it's like Dawson's Creek where it's like very melodramatic and like everything is just so much bigger than it actually is. Um, and it always felt like the stories told the story of teenagers, but didn't get to the psychology of what it means to be a teenager and how difficult it is. Like being a teenager is a, a horrible thing. Like as you get older, you, you, you reminisce about all the freedom stuff um, that you miss as an adult, but it's a very volatile, very confusing time in which people want you to be an adult, but you're so not an adult. And then also, like, it's just a very complicated time. And I think in terms of skins, they do a really good job of showcasing that tension and that inner monologue of just not getting things right. And the things that you do to escape that, whether it's drugs or alcohol or having sex or making horrible decisions or, or, you know, using your friends as an escape for all the things that are, that life is demanding of you. Um, and so that I, I always, I, I, what I always liked about Skins is its honesty um, and its ability to tell a story, even though it might be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so that's always something that I've always respected about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel, what is like if you had to pick? What is your favorite? Like, why did you get into Skins? What is it that really resonated with you? What would you say? Yeah, I think um, I remember when I first started watching it. Well, the first time I came across it was when season two was out, and I was living in the UK then. And I remember it was um, past my bedtime. And I was sneakily watching it in my bedroom and 
I must have been 15 or something at the time, and I watched 10 minutes of it and immediately turned it off, like, after that, <laughs> because I think I was just so, I was a very, it didn't, what they were showing me, all the drugs and alcohol and sex, it just wasn't something that my 15-year-old self could get on board with. Um I just felt very naughty watching it. I was very innocent. I didn't get a lot of stuff they were showing me. But then about a year later, I, I started watching it from the beginning. And I think it was just so different to other shows I've seen. It changes the format. Um, for example, there's like in season one where they um, have that whole breakdown where they start singing and things it was just um done in such an interesting unique way and I had never seen um a story told um looking at each character individually each episode focuses in on them and you find out a little bit more just I had never seen anything like that so I think I was Mm -hmm. really drawn into the characters and the way they told the story as well as kind of an awe for them as well because it was a completely different lifestyle to what I was leading and yet I could still relate to the way they kind of felt like they were grown-ups already um and I think that's just such a teenager way to be is to just Mm -hmm. think you're you're older than you than you are so there was always there was still something relatable in that for me even though I could not relate to any of the experiences that they were going through in terms of like their love lives and drinking and um, smoking, just everything. I couldn't relate to all that, but there was something fundamental in their personalities that I could relate to. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's what kind of drew me in. Very cool. And Edie, how about you? Um, a lot of the same for me. I had kind of a roundabout way of discovering skins. I actually watched the U.S. version first, um, and I remember I was in, like, middle school when it came out, mm-hmm. and it was, like, this, this like, um, secret, like, guilty pleasure thing for me because a lot of the same reasons as Rachel talked about, I was very innocent and sheltered, even when I met both of you, when I was watching Skins at 15, I still, I look back and rewatch, and I'm like, wow, a lot of these things I didn't understand the first time that I watched <laughs> them through, um, yeah. which is so funny. But I, it, it was a roundabout way because I loved the U.S. version, which I look back now and I'm like, what? Because it's so awful compared to the UK version and just the train wreck. It really is. Um, it really is. Yeah. But um, I I remember it got canceled and I was really disappointed and I forgot about it for a few years. And then I fell in love with Degrassi, which is, if listeners don't know, it's like a Canadian teen drama. And yeah. I, I was in love with Degrassi. And so I started a Degrassi blog to, like, get out all of my feelings because I've always been a very, like, <laughs> fanatical kind of person, I guess, where, like, when I like something, That's a very I really like something. Statement. Yeah, I have to have, like, an outlet to be able to, like, get out all of my feelings about something. 
And so I made a fandom blog for Degrassi. And then through that, I found skins through one of the people I followed who was posting um, Degrassi stuff and also skin stuff. So I discovered skins during like the second episode of the sixth series. So I already was spoiled with like how series six was going with like the Rich and Grace mm-hmm. storyline before I even watched. And so the first episode of the UK version that I watched was um, Rich's episode of the fifth series. And then I fell in love. And then I just watched like all of the episodes kind of out of order. And so it wasn't until recently that I actually watched the entire like third generation in order. <laughs> so, like how the storyline built which is bizarre but I guess that's just the way I am <laughs> not normal <laughs> but yeah and it's, I think it's I think in terms of the way that the story is told so it, for people who don't know the story is told so there's it's it there's three generations how they break it up um and every generation gets two seasons and then there's the weird seventh season which we won't talk about well until later um and so every generation gets two seasons. It's a band of characters that are all very different, that are struggling with different things, that have different motivations and different personalities and even very unique styles as well. And every episode focuses on one of the characters. So there might be 12 episodes or eight episodes, and every episode covers a different character. That And so what I like about it is that you could watch the first episode and get this person's story and then be like, man, that person's a little weird. And like kind of gets that judgmental thing where you're like, you really don't know someone's story. And then you won't hear that person's story until like the sixth episode. And then you're like, Oh, okay. That explains a little bit of their weirdness. Um, So it's, it's like a, it's a story in which you don't get the full picture until the very end of the character's because they're obviously in all of the episodes because they're all best friends and they're all hanging out together. But you can see how first impressions are wrong and that what you think about someone might not be necessarily the truth because you don't have the whole story. So another reason why I like Skins is because it really shows how mean we can be sometimes in the conclusions that we jump to about people and that you really don't understand people until you, you get to know them and you talk to them and you really understand who they are. And then there's some people who you get to hear their story, you can understand and empathize where they come from, but at the same time, they're making so many bad choices, it's hard to reconcile, um, even with their backstory. So that happens as well. So like Edie, you watching it in a different order, I wonder how that changes yeah. like this, like the like how that story unfolds and how you make assumptions about certain people. So I, I'd be curious to, to look at that. Do you feel like it yeah, changed think, like how you think? I, yeah. And I think about it a lot because I, I was, I've always been really, I've had a bad habit of spoiling things for myself. Like with, like I would read the end of books before I finished reading them. And I like, I don't know. I'm, I'm really bad about doing that because I just can't contain my curiosity, I guess. Um, (laughs) And so it definitely changed a lot for me knowing what would happen 
ahead of time. Um, and it, it changed my outlook on things. So like, um, I guess I should give a little background first. I am strange and have never watched the first two generations of Skins. It was something I've always meant to do and just never got around to it. But the third generation is the one that I feel the most attachment to because they were my age, like as I was watching it. Um, so that's just a little background. But um, like with um, certain storylines with the characters in the sixth season or sixth series that I already knew about going into watching series five, it changed my outlook. So like that's one of the reasons why I chose Rich's episode to watch first. And then to be completely transparent from there, I chose the episodes in order that had the most like rich and grace in them, <laughs> which I don't think either <laughs> of you would be surprised about that fact. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so I, it's really interesting to think about. I, I do, Rachel and I, I think we're talking about this recently where I wish that I could go back and watch um, generation three from like a, wiped clean slate where I didn't know what was going to happen um, because knowing what ultimately was going to happen the like main big storyline I cared about in series six already knowing what happened changed a lot of my outlook on watching series five um, yeah. and so I mean obviously once I I, st- I joined the skins fandom right after uh, the second episode of series six dropped. And that's when I met both of you. And then from there, we were all like live watching the rest of the episodes from that point on. But prior to that, I like knew everything in this bizarre order. So it is really weird because I, I think that I process it a little differently than what someone else who watched it, like a, like you would typically watch a series would but who knows <laughs> um, I do have a couple of questions we talked to when we talk about generation three um I will ask those questions to me if I forget to just be like Megan what were those questions um because I think okay. in terms of the way that you watched it I'm wondering if it's if it's leading to um certain opinions about some certain characters so when we get to the third generation oh, I- I'll make sure to ask them um so okay. Um, the only person who really didn't talk about like when they started to watch Skins is me. So Rachel and her Edie have already done a really good job of saying their, their story and kind of how they came to be. I have a different story because I did not watch it when I was in high school. Um, I started watching it when I was doing AmeriCorps in Washington State right after I graduated college. Um, so I watched Generation 1 and Generation 2 um, when I was in, in Washington State. Um, and then I moved back to do my credentialing program, and that's when Generation 3 was was getting started um, and getting into the second season. And I think because I watched it from not a young age, I was looking at it just like every, all the listeners know, I overthink things, and I always think about things, every story, every part, every fandom that I that I get into – I always look at it from a philosophical, psychological, or political point of view. And so when I was watching it, 
Um, I really like the fact that it jumped from one place to the next and really kind of the psychology behind the characters. And that's what I got really obsessed with. And so with my free time in uh, my credentialing program, which wasn't much, (laughs) but the free time that I did have, it was spent talking to these guys, um, doing podcasts or just writing articles about the psychology of all of these characters. And what's great about Skins is that you get new characters, new dynamics, new stories every two seasons. And so there's so many different personalities to analyze and there's so many different dynamics to analyze that I was writing probably what, like a, like three articles a week, something like that on um, Tumblr. And people started to like follow and ask questions and it turned bigger than I thought it was going to be um, because I tried my best to break into Harry Potter, <laughs> but Harry Potter is such a big fandom and Skins is not a big fandom, which is why I think all of us for, for the third generation, at least most people knew the things that we were creating or the things that we were writing um, or the podcast that we were recording. Um, because Skins were was not that big of a fandom. So I think for, for the fact that I watched it at such an, not a young age, not at a time where Skins necessarily resonated with me, um, I took a more, like, psychological approach to it. Um, and I also think I was trying to understand the people that I was going to be working with, because I was going to become a, a teacher. So, um, and just it was like my own child psychology class that I was doing using pop culture. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I got into the fandom and how we, we came to be. Now, before we start breaking down the fandoms, I do have to say, and I'm going to go with Rachel on this one, because I remember distinctly when we were making podcasts, you were like, mm-hmm. we need to do a skins and music episode. And I was like, okay, that sounds awesome. Um, So part of the reason why Skins is such an amazing show is, A, yes, the change of character focus makes it a really interesting show, but it also has really good music, which sadly the United States misses out on because for some reason the copyright laws are different here. And so if you watch Skins on Netflix, you're not actually hearing the real soundtrack as the producers made it to be, which is horrible. Um, so Rachel, what is, why did you want to have a skins and music episode and why is music so important to skins? Yeah, I remember us, um, discussing that before as well. Um, and we always used to talk about the music that was in skins. Um, and actually on Netflix in the UK, because Edie, um, recently visited me and we were watching it and it's the original music. So I think that was a really emotional experience for Edie as well. Um, it was. Actually, I cried. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I think just in terms of um, when I started watching it, being a teenager, I think you're very um, susceptible for um, kind of being influenced by music that's used in TV shows. Um, or movies, and you kind of just get hooked on that. And I think Skins um, did a really good job 
of if they used um, a bigger band, it was always for kind of the, the right scenes. They used usually, I think, like up-and-coming singers or bands and yeah. um, it was really provoking music and usually it had a bigger, created a bigger picture of what the show was about as well. Um, like, it, there's several, several music moments that I remember distinctly. Um, for example... Um, Matt and Kim were used, I know, in like a really happy scene in um yeah. in it was daylight season five episode um it was eight. Yeah, that's the song. Yeah, yeah. daylight. And then yeah. you get the blocking feel song as well during that episode, I think too. And um, yeah, there's, there's many music moments that I just kind of remember and I can associate that band that I now listen to because of that. Um, so it, it always pulls me back and I find it a very nostalgic experience when I, when I listen yeah. to the music that was used in skins, because I'll remember exactly what scene it was used for. So it was just so mm-hmm. important to them. You could tell yeah. when watching it. So for yeah. Sure. And I think it- and I bought a universal DVD player so that I could buy the European DVDs so I can actually hear the real music because it does change. Yeah. It changes the mood of the scene. Um, and they're very mm-hmm. intentional. Like the creators of the show are very intentional about the music that they choose. Um, Edie, you had something that you wanted to add? Yeah, I just to uh, agree with what Rachel was saying, I, I feel such nostalgia around a lot of the songs that were used in Skins. I have a playlist that I created on my Spotify account that's just all of the songs from Skins that I love. And every time I listen to it, I get transported back to when I was in high school. And also, even though I was watching, I watched all of Skins the first time through on Hulu, which is bizarre, back when it was um and it was the same as it is on the u.s netflix where they changed the music and i remember i would watch skins on youtube for the original music and how much it changed everything (laughs) and it was funny because when i was when rachel and i were together a few weeks ago and we were watching it i would recognize songs from my playlist that i hadn't previously associated with one of the scenes just because it wasn't on like the episodes that I was watching back in 2012 um and so it's really yeah there's just like a heartstring kind of attachment to a lot of the music which I think is really unique for a tv show um and Mm -hmm. also like Rachel said with them using uh up-and-coming artists it's really cool, like more indie music, I guess. Um, and that yeah. really shaped a lot of my music taste because I was at that age where I was very moldable. Um, and I think being on Tumblr kind of elevated that too because back on, in like 2012 on Tumblr, it was like the cool thing to listen to music that wasn't on the radio and Skins gave an outlet yeah. for that. <laughs> And it was also interesting because 
Skins was really involved online too with Skins Lock-In and also having that separate page on the E4 website where you could go and they would list each song that was used in the episodes. And I think there were like blurbs about why it was chosen for each uh, yeah. scene or something like that, if you guys remember that. But I remember Yeah, they did. And it was because it's so intentional. Exactly. And I remember you would do posts about um, the music that was used in Skins, which those were always really cool posts, too. Yeah, I remember that as well. Yeah. Because, like, I don't think, I mean, I think every show tries their best to use music, but I think I think it has to do with the fact that I, I tell my students this all the time, which is that music is most important to the most oppressed groups. So, like, if you think of terms of, like, where you think of really strong music ties, you think of um, African-American music and the Delta Blues, you think of um, Native Americans, you think of Africa in general, you think of teenagers who are also a very oppressed group of people because you're, you don't feel like you have a lot of freedom. And so music is the reason why I can't. I can listen to Taylor Swift a million times on the radio and yes, I can understand, I can remember the lyrics, but 20 years from now, I don't think I'm going to be in Safeway and know the lyrics, every single word. There are songs that I know and that I listen to in like seventh grade. If I'm in a store, I'm like singing every single word and I haven't listened to that song in like 20, like 20 years. It's because the music when you had, when you were a kid, is a different kind of music memory. It's a diff- it has an emotional attachment because music is such an important thing when you're a teenager. It's why you carry out yeah. headphones or for me, a Walkman with CD player. And yes, I did. And it was bulky and it was annoying. <laughs> iPads, were, iPods are better. But like music is such an important thing for teenagers. And so it had to be something that was important. And I think they, they chose really good music and they chose music that emoted the character's essence, if it's their episode or if it was a very key moment. They were very thoughtful Absolutely. about it. So the fact that it Hulu and US Netflix change it, it's just it's just not the same. It just doesn't work. So I'm very yeah, glad that you got that. you got to be able to have that. Um, a couple other things that I wanted to say about skins is that there's just also really good acting and I think that there's so many mainstream actors that people love that have absolutely no idea that they started off in Skins. Uh, one of those people being Dev Patel, who is an amazing actor who does great movies like Lion and Slumdog Millionaire. If you watched his character in Skins, you would have no idea he would have become that kind of actor. <laughs> not because yeah. he's not talented, but because his character was a bit of a wink. So... <laughs> um, um, other people like Nicholas Holt, who's in the X-Men films, along with other, as others as well. Joe Dempsey, who is Gentry from Game of Thrones. Um, Jack O'Connell has done tons of movies as well. Kaya Scodelario. Del- I can't say her last name. Kaya Scodelario. Daniel Kaluuya also is doing more and more movies. Um, he's from Generation 1. So there's just so many good people. And Generation 3 is also doing a lot of really good things, too. Um, I could see them just working their way up. 
um, and, and doing more things as well. They're just really good acting. Generation one, two, and three. I've never been disappointed by the acting. Mm. All right. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk first gen. I know that I think it's safe to say that all three of us have a special place in our hearts for third generation. So I'm going to try to go through first generation and second generation fast so we can talk mostly about third. Um, so first generation, I do love the first generation. Um, Rachel, you like the first generation as well too, right? Yeah, I, I, I love it. So who's Absolutely. some of your favorite characters and why are they your favorite characters? Um, I mean, firstly as well with Generation 1, I think I was re-watching it recently and it's just such a cohesive storyline and I don't think any of the, either of the other generations kind of kept that up. There was actual cohesiveness between Season 1 and Season 2 and we didn't get that with either of the other generations. Um, no. So... The second I think season is um, always the the crap show. <laughs> yeah, um, it it just turned into what can we do to kind of um, surprise people more um, with this new season. Whereas with um, Generation One, it was very you could see why the plot had traveled to that place in season two. I think in terms of characters, I mean, obviously Cassie, I loved. Um, it was just such she's just such an unusual character i think at that time to to see um her and she was obviously had the most most personal issues i think that she didn't really communicate to anyone else in within the show whereas the other characters did talk about their problems more with other people whereas she was very isolated within her issues and it was just very interesting to see it play out um I loved it as well he just felt like a very normal person um Mm -hmm. and like someone I can imagine meeting um whereas the other characters felt a bit more out there (laughs) and I couldn't really picture having a conversation with them but with Sid I was just like he's very grounded very down to earth I think the most interesting character that Skins have ever done, and I think I truly appreciated this when I was just rewatching it recently, is Tony. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's very likable, but he no. is so multifaceted and just, it's so, you're just so intrigued about why he does things that he says, um, like, think does things why he does the things that he does and the things that he says. So yeah. he's super interesting and dynamic and he really needed to be there for this, for the show to work, I think as well, because yeah. he was just so um, like just trying to play off, play people off each other and just cause havoc. So he, he was so needed Agreed. I think out of all of the generations, Generation One is the most quotable. Like mm-hmm. I, and I don't know if it's because it was the first one that 
I watched and so therefore it just had more meaning or it's just because what you said it was just more cohesive but there are so many like Mm -hmm. small moments like for instance every single time I see a boat I hear Cassie's voice in my head go I like boats they go places um (laughs) yeah or whenever whenever I'm like I want a me day like I don't want to do anything then Chris's effort will come in my mind and I'm and then I'll allow myself to have like a me day and do whatever I want um but like it just there's just so many things and Tony Stoneham definitely out of the two Stoneham's which Effie becomes more important in the second generation that's the connection um Tony I think has an interesting arc because he starts off very much like the villain like the person who's pulling the strings and the person who seems like he's in control of all his friends and then the second season he kind of loses that control mm-hmm. and starts to see things as he should which is that he should appreciate people more and then Effie kind of goes on her own little journey of darkness which we'll talk more about in the second generation yeah um so so tony is definitely super interesting i love sid just because he has some of the greatest like lines in terms of like belly laughs um chris miles is also another iconic character that i really just i just enjoyed him as a person um he reminded me of someone um and so I think because he remind, reminded me of one of my childhood friends, I definitely was drawn to him as a character. There wasn't anyone that I like severely hated. Like I didn't care about Michelle just because I didn't relate to what Michelle wanted in life. Yeah. Um, but I didn't hate anyone. I think Jal is super smart and I think she deserves more love because she's just a very grounding mm-hmm. individual um, in a different mm-hmm. way than Sid is. Um, but overall, I just feel like because they were such good friends and you can tell that they grew up with each other, their connections were very well in place and it was a very cohesive group and the story did go very well from first to second. Is there anything that anyone wants to add about the first generation before we go to second? No, I think I'm, I think I've said kind of my main thoughts on it. Um, and also another thing about the kids is that every season someone dies. I don't know why that mm-hmm. became a thing. God, yeah. The only death that made sense was Generation 1 because it was a death that yeah. was hinted at and explained and biologically sound. So, like, mm-hmm. the other two were more sensational and you can question whether it was a necessary choice to be made for yeah. creativity. And the only reason I'm saying that is because second generation, to me, was a train wreck. And a lot of people have gotten mad at me about this. I'm hearing everyone yelling at me now. But the reason I think second second generation was a train wreck was not because of the characters necessarily, but because of how the writers chose to write out those characters' growth storylines, which I don't think had much growth. But there were some really good characters in Generation 2. So do you have any favorite characters for the second generation? I think the thing I'll always remember about um, the second generation and what I think they did, the they did it so well, and it's kind of, I, I, I mean, there's like the popular meme, um, skins walked so that blah, blah, blah could run. Um, I think 
it, it allowed other shows to really fully take, explore um, teenage gay relationships. I think Emily and Naomi in season mm-hmm. three, I'm not going to even acknowledge the existence of season four in regards to them. But the way they, they yeah. did that in season three, it's become such a popular trope now for um, them to explore um male male or female female relationships within um a high school kind of setting um like you see with sex education now it's full of just um different relationships on the um that are not heteronormative and so this was like one of the first shows that i think did it justice and really explored it from like um it was a female it felt like a female eye on it rather than a male gaze on female relationships and that was quite rare for young people to have that I think we had other shows like the L word and things like that which um it was like older people we didn't have many that were from a high school relationship that felt authentic um so I think that's the thing that they really really did well um, in the first season of it um, so I think that's what I will always say I really um, enjoyed from Generation 2 and obviously I, I love Katie Fitz <laughs> as well yeah. I think she's an amazing character and one of the only okay. things that got better with the and I think her growth season... from season 1 to season yeah. 2 it was steady as well compared to the other one yeah, it was um, the only one that I was, like, happy with that. So, I agree. I think Naomi and Emily, I think that the way that they started that relationship was really good. Um, and I also really do enjoy JJ as a person. Um, mm-hmm. And I like some things. So, this, I'm going to start talking about the things that I don't like about uh, Generation 2. So, I, so, Effie is, of course, Tony's sister. And he she has equal amount of problems that he did but it was more it's more depressive um a lot of ups and downs I would say bipolar if I I mean obviously I can't diagnose but if I had to guess I would say bipolar disorder is most likely what she had because of her manic manic like manic stages and her very very low low lows and I feel like that there was an opportunity to really talk about that and really showcase it but to me, there was parts of Generation 2 that it just felt like I was watching a romanticized story of a girl who needed help. And no one was helping her because they were sexually objectifying her or romanticizing wanting to be her, which is a scary thing in itself because she's unwell. And it's clear she's unwell from first episode to second season, to even her episodes in, in season seven, she's she's not okay. And mm-hmm. the hero worship of Effie is alarming to me. And you see that all the time with, with toxic girls in general. There's like this toxic mm-hmm. girl trope that she's beautiful, she's sexy, she's unattainable, but at the same time, she's completely self-harming and needs more help. So, um that's definitely an area that I didn't like. And I also don't like the fact that they build really good character development and then 
just let go of it completely in the second season. Um, Eddie, um, Edie, do you have something to say? Eddie. Yeah, I was just going to add that I think that um, I obviously haven't seen uh, Generation 2, but I know enough from being in the fandom for such a long time that I think uh, Generation 2 kind of gave Skins the um, reputation of being this really, like, dramatic, uh, grungy kind of show because I remember it being an ongoing joke in the fandom of, like, anytime you would post a GIF or GIF of a character looking, like, pensive or upset, someone was going to take that GIF make it black and white, and then add, like, a quote that Effie said, even if it wasn't a character from Generation 1 or 2, she was going, they were going to add, like, a quote that Effie said at one point, and then someone was going to reblog it and say, like, soft grunge skins or something like that. (laughs) I just think it's really Mm -hmm. interesting how, like, a character's development like that can shift an entire view of the show. Yeah. For sure. Um, And then the other part of it, of course, is just that, like, I felt like everyone grew, and on the second season, everyone didn't grow or grew or was killed by a baseball bat, which made absolutely no sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Effie was just... um, yeah, there was lots of things with Generation 2 where it was just, like, hyped up um, certain things for, I think it was just for that edgy teen behavior. Um, yeah. And especially with Effie, you would see a lot of people like, I want to be her and things. And it's it, it wasn't, I think they did it wrong in terms of how they depicted, how people depicted her. Um, and they they must the the way that they showed it on the show they've obviously done something wrong with her, um, and they didn't really do um, mental health justice I think with that. No, um, and like even that gen- um, and even like James Cook's character had moments of redemption, and then we'd also reverse. Like yeah. it just it just felt like there was no cohesive movement forward it was like a a movement forward break and then crumble back yeah definitely like he went to prison and then he broke out of prison and it was like that that wasn't the whole point of him going to prison it was supposed to be him taking responsibility and then it's just taken away from you the next episode you would just didn't know where you stood with the characters Mm -hmm. agreed all right I think it's time to talk about third generation. Yeah. Right. So, Edie, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Who is your favorite character? Surprise me. <laughs> surprise. Well, to both of you, it won't be a surprise. Um, but Grace, for sure, was my favorite character. And I, it's interesting because a lot of people were very, I think, the, the whole view of Generation 3 is very uh, polarized. 
So it's either you absolutely hate the third generation or you absolutely love them. And I think a lot of people felt that way about Grace as a character, where a lot of people hated her because they thought she was stupid and like flighty and didn't have any depth. And then other people loved her like me. Um, the reason I love Grace so much is because I think she has a lot of depth and I think she was written as a very, um, I keep saying the word interesting, but it's a very interesting character where yeah. she seems one way, but then she has a lot more underneath that is revealed throughout the season and through her relationships with different characters. And then obviously in the sixth series, it it's shown even on an elevated level how much she impacted the friendship of all of the characters yeah. from Generation 3 as a whole. I felt, I just, I felt immediately drawn to Grace because I relate to her a lot and I've related to her more as I've gotten older too and I rewatch. Um, so I just feel this really strong attachment to her. And then Rich also. I think Rich is the most well-written character of the third generation for sure. Um, yes, I agree. Because, again, a lot of depth. I think his character arc made the most sense of any other character in the third generation. And he was one character, I think, in series six who yeah. wasn't ruined by writing and didn't regress like most of the other I characters agree. did in some way. So, and people will argue with you, as you guys both know, because, like, I'm a huge Rich Hardback fan. I, I like our Alex Arnold's face as well. Um, but the reason I liked Rich is because he reminded me so much of me. Like, I, he, him and Ron Weasley are probably the two characters that I have the most emotional connections with, and they're for similar reasons. Because I totally know what it felt like in, in high school where I was, like, because I was the person who went through, like, phases and, like, I would have to be all this. Like, I was trying to, like, cling on to some authenticity because I felt like everyone else didn't understand me. And I would cling on to those labels and then say no to things that might be something that I want to do because I was so concerned about being that person who's authentic and does what they say and follows through. And I think Rich's storyline is a beautiful storyline and it makes total sense that it's a storyline that's with grace who's a very accepting person and she really is the glue that puts these because it, it in terms of skins i feel like it's a it's a story of labels because every single one of those characters you can put as someone like the jock or this yeah. or that and it's about unri unraveling those labels and grace was someone who really didn't have a label. Like at the beginning of the of this season, I couldn't say Grace is this. She was a very floaty kind right. of character. And a lot of people thought that that meant that she was fake. But really, to me, I feel like everyone with a label was actually the one who was fake and that she didn't fit a label and therefore it made her the most genuine character ever because yeah. most of us are not as simple as you're the jock or you're the metalhead. And so I've gotten in so much fights about Rich and the fact that he isn't as metal as he was in the sixth season compared to the fifth season and whether that means that he copped out. 
or that he's now a poser or whatever. And I'm like, it's just called growing up. Do you think he's going to be 34 dressed like that? Like, yeah, like none of us like if you if yeah. your style was defined in high school and you're still dressing like that then we need to have a different conversation but it just part of <laughs> of growing up like you're not gonna be the person you always are even though it feels like if you give an inch you're compromising your whole self which is what rich's problem was was that he was so narrow in his definition of himself and others that it didn't ever allow him to experience anything. Because if you're so concerned about just what everything metal, the 99.9% of the world can't ever come to you, nor can you ever come to them. Um, and so I really like their love story, and I really like the, the, the character development that goes on with that. Uh, Rachel, yeah. what do you think? Um, in terms of favorite character? Yeah, or just adding oh. on to the... Yeah, um, I think it, I think I have very similar kind of um, point of view to you both. Um, Grace, uh, no surprises, is my, what I would say is my favorite character from Generation 3. Um, but I think Rich's storyline is um, the the only one that I was kind of completely 100% behind from season five, episode one to the end of season six. And um, it was the only one, yeah, that I I was completely there for it um, the whole time. And he's a very um, important character to me as well. Yeah. And I think in terms of why the third generation is so controversial i think that people who only liked first generation and thought second generation was a bit crazy i think they appreciated mm-hmm. third generation it might not be their favorite yeah. compared to the first but they appreciated it if you were mm-hmm. a diehard second generation person you most likely did not like third generation and yeah. i think yeah. there's also a lot of projecting onto like for instance the naomi and emily fans were projecting a lot of wanting mm. Frankie and Minnie to be together. So there was a lot of like, well, this is what Gen 2 did. Why isn't Gen 3 doing this? So I, And I think each generation had its own story and at its own point. I definitely think Gen 1 was the one that was told the most complete. But I really wish that Gen 2 people would, would realize that Gen 3 was never supposed to be Gen 2. If Gen 2 was, if it was, it just, it wouldn't have worked at all, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So what was it about Gen 3 that you would have changed? Um, season 6? <laughs> just all of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would take a lot, <laughs> a lot about season six. Um, I think in in terms of kind of what I said as well with um, generation one being the only um, cohesive story from start to finish, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like the only one where I'm like I'm happy to go on this whole journey and I can watch every single episode again. Um, it felt like with the 
other two generations once they did the first season it was like right cool what can we what can we come up with now to totally flip this all on its head and um really mess stuff up for all of these guys um if it makes sense if it doesn't make sense let's do it anyway and really um hype hype it up and um just um just make it so crazy that it's not realistic anymore um because both season four and season six were just crazy um yeah there was just so so much unrealistic stuff going on and I just wish that they hadn't um gone into like trying to sense I don't know the words that I'm trying to think of Um, yes um that word um I wish they hadn't felt the pressure to do that because they could, with Generation 3, I feel a lot of disappointment with it now that when I rewatch it because I'm like, oh, they could have done so much. Um, they could have make done it. Much. Yeah. I do argue, though, that Season 6, even though I'm not happy with all of the creative decisions because I don't think they needed to kill Grace, I don't think that they needed to go um, in the certain areas in which that they did, but mm-hmm. it's still a better season than season four. Yes, definitely. I think Gen 3, even though not perfect, got a little bit more than Gen 2 fans did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I just it was think not I perfect. Loved, sorry. <laughs> I just think okay. I would have loved some more normalcy within... Series six, like I recently rewatched um the first episode of series six and I just I had forgotten how many little moments there were between different characters. Like obviously Rich and Grace got so many special moments, which makes sense when you know what happens after the fact with her dying. But um I just would have loved to see more of just them being teenagers and not having to be thrown into these adult situations like teen pregnancy that was unplanned or sudden death or having to turn yourself into the police for like this car crash and all of these crazy things that they just decided to all throw in. I just wish that we would have gotten more of the characters just being friends without it having to be them being friends under this tremendous pressure that's been added. So it's not realistic. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of those storylines are realistic, but because they're all happening at once, like there's no refuge. There's no time to actually see the characters bond. And like, even they knew that because they created a whole Facebook page. So you can see that the friends were like bonding and how important they are when really they should be writing those things that, that showed that into the show. And I think that they missed that opportunity to continue. Cause this was the first group where most of them were not friends after, you know, before season five started. So right. having that more time, I think, would be, and testing this friendship in a more natural way, I think would be way better. All right. Yeah. Sadly, we have no time left, and I feel like we probably could have done another show on this. Um, yeah. I promise that Edie and Rachel will be back either to talk more about skins or maybe something else as well. Um, thank you guys for joining us. We really do appreciate you coming on here and talk about skins. Oh, no problem. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) 
Um, our next episode uh, is going to be on Thursday at 6 p.m. We're doing music in movies and talking about the definition of pop music and how it really doesn't have a definition. Now it's changed over the years. Um, so we'll be talking about that on Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Bye.